there's a particular animal that gets a bad rap. And there's sort of a tradition that's developed around them that says they are probably one of the dumbest animals in the world because every so often, these particular animals will simply follow their leaders right off of cliffs and perish. If you're familiar with the animal, there was a video game that came out many, many, many years ago back when video games had just started. Now, I'm not one who really likes video games. You can ask my children, they will tell you. But you can ask my grandchildren, they will tell you. But when this game first came out, I absolutely loved it. I used to play it all the time. The name of the game is, anybody know? Lemmings. And it came out, I think, in the early 90s. And the whole idea is that as you're doing the game, there is a leader in the game, and that leader kind of sets the direction. And if, as you are doing the game, if you don't direct the leader properly with that little connecting thing, they'll just walk off the edge and perish. And it's based on the lemming. And it's based on the false assumption that they'll just follow their leaders right off the cliff. Now, I want to tell you that that's not true about lemmings. But the principle that is behind that is very, very important. And the principle is this. Be careful who you follow. Be careful who leads you. Be careful of the people you allow in your life that help to direct your path and your direct direction. You see, we need to be very careful who we choose to follow spiritually. Because they will affect our lives. And I wish I could say that when you move out, and whether it's at a church or whether it's, you know, listening to the radio or watching the TV or whatever it might be, that the people that are out there are really good and you should listen to them and you should follow them. The problem is that's just not true. There needs to be caution about who it is that we follow. We need to make sure that we're not doing what the lemmings are accused of following poor leaders right off of a cliff. Now, we've been working our way through the book of Isaiah, and we're in the third section of the book of Isaiah. Begins in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 1, and goes through Isaiah chapter 66 to the very end of the book. And Isaiah has laid out to us a very clear sort of understanding of who we are before God and who God is and what he requires. We began this whole study by saying basically the theme of Isaiah is this, God's holy, you're not, so we need to deal with it. In the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah laid out for us the fact that God's people were failing 
in representing who God was, and particularly their leaders. We saw the really bad leader who was Ahaz, who totally rejected following God. And the result was the destruction that the nation faced. The second leader at the end of that section is Hezekiah. And he was a a righteous man, a fairly good leader, but the idea is even he was not good enough to lead God's people to where they fully reflected God's purpose in their lives. So God had to do something. And beginning in Isaiah chapter 40 through Isaiah chapter 45, I'm sorry, 55, Isaiah tells us that he sends a deliverer to deliver them physically, a man by the name of Cyrus, a king. But he says, the real problem of my people are not their political leadership. It's their spiritual condition. And so he sends the servant. Who in Isaiah chapter 52 and 53 dies for our sins. To give us a right position before God. Beginning in Isaiah chapter 56, Isaiah answers the question, now that our spiritual condition is made right through accepting what the suffering servant did, how should we live? How should we live out this responsibility given to us to reflect God in our lives and reflect God to all of the others who surround us. Isaiah began Isaiah chapter 56 by saying, live righteously and blessed in a position to be uniquely envied is the man who walks in ways that reflect his relationship with God. Last week, we looked at the fact that even when we walk in righteousness in this fallen world, sometimes we suffer. And Isaiah says, hang on, because in the end, God's going to make it all right. But as we come to Isaiah chapter 56 and beginning here in verse 9, Isaiah's going to pick up another theme. Because he wants us to understand that if we are going to walk in ways that represent the Lord in in the way he wants us to, one of the things we have to be careful of is who we allow us to who we allow who we allow to lead us spiritually. What are they like? Who do you follow? Who is it that you look towards to say, as I want to come to understand what it means to walk this walk, I'm going to follow their example. What are those people like? What are your standards? You see, as we come to Isaiah chapter 56, 
Isaiah says, this is what they need to be like. And he begins by saying to us this, the qualities of a good spiritual leader are clearly discernible. This is what they ought to be like. Now, as we read through Isaiah chapter 56, beginning in verse 9, they're all in a negative way. He's saying to those who are a part of the people of God, these are not the kind of people that you ought to follow. And he uses three illustrations. He talks about the watchman. What's the job of a watchman? To watch. And Isaiah says there's a problem with the watchman you've chosen. They can't see. Jesus talked about the blind leading the blind. That there's the inability to perceive what is going on. And Isaiah says, that's not a good watchman. The second illustration he will use is a watchdog. What's the task of a watchdog? To bark. To let you know that there's danger, there's there's things approaching that are going to harm you. And so the watchdog is supposed to start baying and barking. And when the elders came to our house, we had the retreat at our house last weekend, we have a watchdog, we have a beagle. They're supposed to go. As all the men came in, she just laid there. That's a useless watchdog. But Isaiah says, you know, you've chosen leaders who are lazy dogs that can't even bark. And not only that, they're to protect you from those who would attack. My people have chosen leaders that bite them. We once had a dog that I really think was mentally disturbed. Either that or demon-possessed. We're not sure. And one time, Cindy was with her, and the dog went after Cindy to bite her, attacked her. We got rid of that dog. That's not what a dog, a watchdog, is to do. And the third illustration that Isaiah uses is shepherds. The job of a shepherd is to lead the sheep to the good pastures. The job of a shepherd is to protect the sheep. And Isaiah says, your shepherds, they don't know where they're going. And they're out to use the sheep, not protect them. Now, those are the negative illustrations. But what I'd like to do is just kind of take the negative and say, what's the opposite? Those are the things to avoid. But I just want to take them and say, okay, let's take those illustrations and let's talk about what are the qualities, not to be avoided, but to be pursued. What's the opposite of what Isaiah is talking about? And just very quickly, we come up with with some characteristics of those we should be willing to follow spiritually. 
the characteristics of those that are to be our mentors, to be our spiritual leaders. What are they like? Well, the first quality is that a good spiritual leader is observant. Isaiah says you've chosen these watchmen who can't see. What would be the opposite? Well, the opposite would be watchmen who are observant. They see. They know what's going on. They can look around them. They can see the danger that is coming. Those that are leaders in our lives, those that are our mentors, are those that are able to see both in our lives and, and what is around us, those things that are dangerous. Those things that would cause us harm. Children, teenager, that's what your parents are. They are to be watchmen. They are to be watchwomen who see the dangers around you, see the dangers in your life. They're observant. They look. As you read through Isaiah, Isaiah says not only that, but the watchmen you are choosing have no understanding. And the idea of understanding is they don't know what's expected of them. They don't know how to do their job. What's the opposite? A spiritual leader understands what spirituality is and how to move in that direction. They understand what God has called them to be and what God has called them to do. And they understand what it means to move you in that direction. They understand the importance of spirituality in your life. Of following after God's direction. They're spiritual people. As we were discussing last week in the elders retreat, we talked about what are leaders supposed to be like? So often we, we, we define leadership in terms of activity or ability to communicate or things like that. And those are all good things, but that's not the definition of a spiritual leader. A spiritual leader is spiritual. They demonstrate an understanding of God and his word. They understand what it means to walk in ways that demonstrate him. Not that they're perfect. But they understand spirituality. The opposite of watchmen that don't know their job. Next, Isaiah moves on to those dogs and he says... They're dogs that don't bark. A good spiritual leader not only sees what's going on, but is willing to warn us to say, that's not good. Why do you have that in your life? Why are you pursuing that in that way? Who in your life asks you the tough questions? Like, where'd you lie this week? Where did you stretch the truth? This week, where did you find your sexual thoughts going in directions that 
weren't healthy. This week, when did you choose to follow an idol in your life that's going to destroy you? What are the idols of your life? Where do you have people that are willing lovingly and caringly and gently warning about the danger. Who barks at you? Cindy's going to say, well, my husband barks at me. I don't mean that. A good spiritual leader warns us of danger. A good spiritual leader is diligent He's not a lazy dog. There's a consistency and a commitment to move in your life in a direction that leads you to spiritual growth. Good spiritual leaders are not whatever that word is, are supposed to be controlled. Good spiritual leaders are controlled by more than their own desires. As Isaiah is describing these individuals who are the leaders of the people, he says they are dogs with mighty appetites. They never have enough. The idea is their souls are unquenchable. The opposite is a good leader. He's not controlled predominantly by his own desires or her own desires. But understands there are things that are greater than what I want. He's not a dog who is ravenous. He's not a watchdog that chooses to devour those they're to protect. We don't have time this morning, but if we did, we could spend a lot of time on that. There are so many spiritual leaders on radio and on television that are more interested in getting theirs than ministering to you. Good spiritual leaders seek God's purpose above their own. They are shepherds, as Isaiah says. They are shepherds, yes, who lack understanding, and they all turn their own way. And in fact, what's so interesting is Isaiah uses the exact same description of the sheep in Isaiah 53, 6. He says, we are all like sheep that have gone our own way. Why? Well, our leadership does the same thing. Isaiah says we want people who are more committed to doing God's way than their way. Accomplishing God's purpose than their purpose. And then finally, as the shepherds, God's spiritual leaders are other-centered in their relationships. These shepherds just cared about their own 
And then Isaiah uses this wonderful little illustration. He says they're like a bunch of shepherds that say, you know what, let's just get drunk tonight. And then tomorrow we'll even get drunker. All we care about is ourselves. God's leaders are other-centered. The question we need to be asking as we go through this passage, are the people that I allow to lead my life spiritually, are they people that reflect the opposite of the wrong leaders in Isaiah 56? One of my favorite movies dealing with leadership is the story of Colonel Moore, who led one of the first battles during the Vietnam War. The book is called We Were Soldiers Once and Young. The movie is entitled We Were Soldiers. I used to read, used to teach a course on leadership. And I would have those that were involved in the course watch this movie. And there's one scene where leadership is defined. And watch, there'll be a contrast. One leader is a good leader. And you see the very characteristics, the opposite of what Isaiah warns us against. The other leader is exactly like the poor leaders of Isaiah chapter 56. Watch the clip. God boy, take your boots off. Go on. Everybody, take your boots off. Everybody. Socks too. you to draw fresh socks from supply. Keep your feet dusted with powder. Everybody check each other's feet like God bolted me. Now that young man's a leader. Yes, sir. That other fella. That big strong one there. He wants to win medals. Two different leaders. Did you catch the symbolism of foot washing in that first leader? The greatest example of servant leadership that Jesus gave to us other than the cross, I believe, is when he washed his disciples' feet. In that clip, you see so many of the characteristics of leadership. There's a man who was circumvent, circumvent in his perception. He saw what was going on. He cared about his soldiers. He was willing to serve them beyond his own needs. He directed them and guided them. 
And if you've seen the movie or you've read the book, you will know that that squad leader gives up his life to save his men. The other leader surrendered his men to find glory. And in that clip, you see why it's so important the quality of those we allow to lead our lives spiritually. For you see, as Isaiah goes on, he has those passages beginning in Isaiah 57 and verse 1, where he says, the righteous perish, and no one ponders it in his heart. Devout men are taken away, and no one understands the righteous are spared from evil and they rest in peace. Now, there's a lot of theology in those verses that we don't have time to enter into this morning about how God delivers his people and how death can be a, a removal from the evil that is coming. And there's a lot of things like that. But I think when you boil it all down, it comes to this principle. That righteousness flourishes with quality leadership and recedes with corrupt leadership. Righteousness meaning those that demonstrate the truth of God in their lives. Now, Isaiah chooses just to show the negative. Where there's poor leadership the righteous perish. The righteous are diminished. But the opposite is also true. When there is good leadership, righteousness flourishes. Now, as I was looking at this, there are lots of ways to kind of deal with this. One of the ways to, was to talk about the leadership of our country or the leadership of our church or, you know, and look at the leaders, the elders, the, the deacons, the men and women who serve as deacons, the men that serve as elders. And by the way, I am always honored by the men I am able to serve with on the elder board. And I'm always encouraged by the deacons that serve. They're good people. And we could look at it that way. We could talk about the fact that when a culture or a people's spiritual leadership is good, righteousness flourishes. Now, I'm not talking about political leadership. You know, we get so caught up concerning, spiritual, uh, concerning our political leaders and our spiritual condition. Our spiritual condition is what it is apart from what our political leaders might do. You see, in the time that Isaiah wrote, everybody was considered a spiritual leader. The king was considered a spiritual leader. The priests were considered 
spiritual leaders. The prophets were considered spiritual leaders. And they were responsible for the spiritual condition of the people that they were leading. Why? Because Israel was God's people. And if they were leading God's people, they had the responsibility of leading them well spiritually. And when Isaiah is talking about watchmen and he's talking about shepherds, the watchmen are probably the prophets and the priests. The shepherds are probably the king. But the fact is, in our world today, our political leaders are not responsible for our spiritual direction. Civil government has another purpose. Now, there are a couple of passages that speak about that. We can turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, where Peter writes, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to the governors. Now, notice, what's God's purpose for them? Who are sent by him, that is God, to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. Their job is to uphold the law. To make sure that good behavior is commended and bad behavior is punished. The more extensive passage is Romans chapter 13, verse 1 and then 3 through 6. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, notice their purposes. It's not to make you more spiritual. It's not to make you more godly. It's not to make you any of those kinds of things. Here are the purposes. God's gave them to us, for rulers had no terror for those who do right. They are to encourage those who do right, and they are punish those who do wrong. But for those who do wrong, do you not want to be free from fear of the ones in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. The purpose of civil government is to encourage that which is right and good. It is to punish that which is wrong and destructive. It is to to administrate well that which God has given to them as a responsibility. And so when when we choose civil authority, we ask the question, who will do the best job? Usually, it's a guy or person with good character, but the reality is, in a fallen world, often the choices are not so easy. So when it comes politically, the question is, who can accomplish God's purpose as a civil leader the best? But spiritually... It's a whole different matter. You see, God says there are spiritual leaders in our country. There are spiritual leaders in our culture. And they have a responsibility to lead spiritually very, very well. 
Do you wonder who they are? Who are the spiritual leaders of our country and our culture? Well, if we had time, I'll just turn there, but you can write it down. You can turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter says this in verse 9. You are a chosen people. You are the royal priesthood. You are the watchmen's and the shepherds. Not politically, spiritually. You are the people that belong to God. When a culture and a people fail to move in a right direction, look to their spiritual leaders. God has given God's people that responsibility. And so when we read through those seven characteristics back at the beginning of the message, what God is saying is, I expect you in your communities, in your neighborhoods, in your families to be these kinds of people. People who are other-centered, not self-centered. People who are circumspect and see what's going on around them. People who know God's direction and God's desire and God's purposes. People who are willing to warn of danger. People of good character, not those that stomp their feet and scream in self-righteousness and condemn everybody, but those in the quality of their lives demonstrate what righteousness is all about. We all have that responsibility. And when you look at a culture and a nation that is going in the direction that it is, and I'm heartbroken. Don't blame the politicians. God says, we are the royal priesthood. We are the watchmen and the shepherds. Now, among God's people, there are also watchmen and shepherds. Here at Grace, we call them elders and deacons. And we spend a lot of time being certain that they are quality men and women. And we look at Acts chapter 20, and we look at Titus chapter 1, and we look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we say, are these men and women not that are perfect? They're not but who are committed to others, who love God, who seek to know what is best, who seek God's direction, who are people that desire to accomplish God's purposes. But applying this, I want to bring it right down to our individual lives. Because God says in every one of our individual lives, we need people who are our spiritual leaders. And so, 
when people's personal spiritual leadership is good, our individual righteousness flourishes. We grow. Who are the people that you seek to follow as spiritual leaders and mentors in your life? We all need them. I need them. You need them. People who have walked that path, who understand spirituality. Who are those folks in your life? You cannot live the life of a believer without the input of others and without those who are willing to follow as examples. Paul said it this way, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Follow them. First Corinthians 4, he says this, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me for this reason I am sending to you Timothy. Why? Because Timothy follows me as I follow the Lord. So follow Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Beloved, who is that in your life? Who does that for you? Where do you have that person that you can go to that can provide that spiritual leadership and that spiritual direction? Now, the focus of Isaiah is not asking us where do we have that. He's saying avoid those who would really mess things up. But if you turn it upside down, if you turn it around, the question becomes, who is it that influences you spiritually? Find those that have the quality of good leaders, leadership, good spiritual leadership. And find ways to have them pour into your life. You see, on one level, we're all leaders. We've been called by God to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God. But in order to do that well, we need to have those in our lives that help us direct in our spiritual responsibilities. Now, again, as we do every Sunday morning, it begins by understanding that I have a relationship with Christ. I am part of that, that royal priesthood. I'm part of the people of God. I've placed my faith and trust in Christ, and I have that relationship. I'm part of that responsibility to demonstrate God's presence in my life and, and his part in the world. So if you don't know Christ, come. We'll gladly share with you how to do that. But in a church gathering, most of us are there. 
Who are your spiritual leaders? Now, I can speak for our church leaders. They're good and great men and women. But who leads your life? Who's your spiritual leader? Who's your spiritual mentor? Ask God and he will bring someone into your life to help you to walk in ways that are righteous before him.